Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Have you got the idea that work has to be work, meaning that it uh, needs to be unpleasant or boring, that it's the opposite of doing what you love? Maybe you've even got comfortable with the idea of being dissatisfied, and that creates kind of a cycle of of heaviness, of not of not joy with the work that you do, and a distance from what you love. Well, my guest on today's show is author and travel writer Nina Karnikovsky. She's here to share what she learned from interviewing self-made creatives from all over the world and her wisdom about how we can make a living doing what we love. Are you ready to meet her? Nina Karnikovsky fused her two passions of writing and traveling. She crafts travel stories with a sustainability focus for newspapers, magazines, and websites. She has journeyed through Mongolia, explored the Namibian desert, dodged Antarctic icebergs, and lots more. She's visited more than 60 countries. And Nina made this happen by following many of the points that are outlined in her new book, which is called Make a Living living. Find out more about Nina and her work at travelswithnina.com. Nina, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you for having me, Karen. Thank you for being here. What is it that inspired you to to change to change your life? To kind of it feels to me like you kind of just threw out the rule book and just went and built what you wanted. What inspired you to do that? Well, I wish I could say that it was all my own doing, but um, as often happens in these situations, it was a bit of a push from the universe. I had a very traditional background in publishing. I did all the usual things of going to university and really doing a lot of unpaid work experience, all those sorts of things. And then I worked for very um, about six years in a publishing company and, and finally got this dream job of being a travel writer. And I was in-house there doing that. And then all of a sudden I got made redundant. Mm. And that is a very common story these days, of course. And so at first I kind of thought, okay, my life is over. Everything that I have worked towards is gone. But I actually soon realized it was an enormous gift. I mean, here was my chance to build the kind of life that I had only ever kind of dared peek at from the corner of my eye. I'd always loved this idea of, of going out on my own and really um, being able to self-direct and to have side projects and to do all of those things. And and to not be in an office all of the time. And here was my chance. So that's what I spent the next few years building up. I took that redundancy payout and I sort of cushioned myself during that time. I built up my freelance con my contacts there and I really streamlined my life to try to kind of keep my overheads low. And I 
just continued really working hard during that time. And eventually I made it happen. And um, I eventually had enough work that I was constantly traveling all around the world. I had a variety of um, different platforms on which to uh, publish my work. And it got to the point where I thought, I re- I want to share this with other people. I want I know there are so many other people who've had similar stories and that's what really spurred me to write the book. What I like about what you're saying is that it's it's sometimes when I talk to people about doing what they love, is it okay for me to do what I love? Am I allowed to love and make money at the same time? People think, well, it's okay for those people in the book, but it, it can't happen to me. I would have to have something so, so lucky happen to me. It would have to be like a, a magical being would have to come down from the sky and grant me the opportunity to do what I love. What I love about your story and about the people who you are interviewing in this book, featuring in this book, is that they did it practically they did it with hard work. They did it with some hardship, right? With some limits. You are honest and open about the, I don't know, $87 trillion student loan debt that you write, <laughs> that you carried and all the expenses of living. It, it's practical. You do what you love, not because it's magic, but because you can make anything happen. That is so true. And that's what I really loved about every one of these people, because I think this is the problem with things like social media these days. We see people doing what they love, but we have, we, we think that exactly what you said, a magical beam came down and made, made it happen for them. They don't realize that there's all this backstory behind that. And that's our fault because, you know, we love to have this veneer on social media, but I wanted to pull back the curtain on that. And I really went deep with these people and asked them, you know, how much money did you start with? What sacrifices did you have to make? Are you making money now? What side hustles are you doing in order to make it work? Because for most people, there have been a lot of sacrifices. I mean, there's quite a few people in the book who are like, look, it's not, it's not, it looks like a sacrifice from the outside in terms of paring back your finances or, or spending more time working, um, initially, but it's not a sacrifice when you are looking at it as creating this life that you want for yourself. And that's very much the way that I feel. I mean, I think that I think that the biggest sacrifice really is, is not doing what you love. And I think we really are all capable of doing it. And that's why I really tried to choose people from a whole variety of different countries, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different, um, with really very different life stories and, and quite a few of them with, with some hardship in there to prove that, if you have enough tenacity and willpower and also vision, because that is that is needed, uh, then you can make it happen. Do you have favorites from the the people who you've interviewed here? I was sharing with you before we went on the air. One of my favorites is the woman who taught herself how to knit on YouTube. I love this because I'm a rather I'm a joyful but inept knitter. Um, She taught herself how to knit on YouTube and turned it into this gigantic going concern. Who are your favorites? Oh, gosh. I 
really love Benita too. I love her because she's a very modern woman in that she really harnessed the power of the internet, you know, as you say, like taught herself to knit using YouTube videos and now sells these jumpers on on platforms like Net-A-Porter for 600 US dollars and has is empowering women in Peru to to help her with her business and um and she built a very cheap website in order to start it initially. So that's the very cool thing, I think, about being an entrepreneur these days is that you don't need a lot of money to start. You just need a, a great idea and the willpower to go and do it. Um, and you actually don't need the incredibly expensive degrees that um, unfortunately people like me went and did. <laughs> um, but some other favorites, look, I really um, – there's a guy in there who I, for many years before interviewing him for this, I had kind of, um, you know, stalked him online because I thought he was so fabulous. His name is Mukul Bhatia. He is a nomadic photographer. He spends his time sort of traveling the world, telling really interesting stories from all different parts of the world. He's based in Delhi. And he was one of the people who talked a lot about, you know, making financial sacrifices and those sorts of things. But he said, you know what? It's not a sacrifice because I am spending my life creating millions of fables for my future grandchildren, which I just loved. And he has been really clever in creating different income streams for himself because, you know, freelance photography is not always incredibly lucrative. So he has, he has found found ways of, um, he's got an incredible style. So he's been working with different fashion companies and sustainable fashion companies to, um, do, do kind of marketing campaigns and things like that for, for him for extra income and has built that up, which I found really interesting. I also really loved there's this woman in there because I didn't want people to think, okay, if you're going to be a self-made creative, you can't really make a lot of money because I think that you can, if that is what you want. And this woman, Pip, she created, she has created this very big thriving business called the dots and it is a creative network and it's sort of like LinkedIn for creatives. And she lives on this houseboat in the UK and she is so passionate. She talks about the work life blend as opposed to work life balance, because she said, look, honestly, I do work a lot, but it doesn't feel like work to me because it's all of my passions. You know, she spends her time going to creative festivals and gallery openings and spends her time linking up with other creatives and that really speaking to her. I mean, she's so passionate about it. And I, I love that idea that if you are blending it all together, it doesn't feel like work anymore. And, um, yeah, she also mentioned this idea of building a kind of a tribe of mentors to lean on, which I thought was really important because I think when you are um, striding out on your own, you do need a, a tribe around you to draw from so that you're not putting all your pressure on one person to kind of help make your dream come true, but you're getting little pieces of advice from different people who can really help you. Um, and then another, another one that I have really loved is, um, his name is Yuichi Takuchi and he is a Japanese tiny home builder and he, he has this really, a kind of simple living 
minimalism philosophy where he talked to me about if you want something in life, learn how to make it instead of buying it. And that will change your whole philosophy on life. And that kind of blew my mind. I mean, he he talked to me, they didn't make it into the book, but talked to me about, you know, you want to build a lamp, for example, you can go off and do a course or a class and spend a year figuring out how to do that. And you'll create these life skills for yourself while doing that and then really treasure that thing that you have made. And I thought that that philosophy just extended into all different parts of life. And it really, it's one that really shines for me in the book. I love that idea too of of giving voice to what it is that you love, whether I'm saying I'm interested enough in making this lamp, for example, that I'm going to take the class. This is important to me. I love this. I'll follow up or I'm interested enough to look for the tutorial video on YouTube or to build a group of mentors around me. There's something so powerful in giving voice to what we love. And I think a lot of times we sit under this heavy blanket of, well, wouldn't it be nice or it will never work for me. And and so part of what this book to me is something it like shifts perspective, shifts energy, right? It opens flow in my weird way of looking at things intuitively, right? When, when we're encouraged to give voice to what we love, everything is different. Yes. And I don't think it's a weird way at all because I think exactly that way as well. <laughs> I think living this way really requires a consciousness shift. It requires looking at life a different way. Instead of saying that can't happen for me, going, what if? What if I did this? What if I followed the threads of my curiosity? What if I was actually brave and just gave it a go? There's this really amazing couple in there who are the sustainable fashion designers. And one of their pieces of advice, they're based in Berlin. They've worked incredibly hard to create the business, beautiful business that they have. It's called Hundhund. Um, and they said this idea of just doing the thing is the, is what teaches you the most. You can sit back and you can throw a million ideas at the wall, but unless you actually do the thing, you're not going to learn. I think a lot of us, you know, we're held back by fear. Oh, what if it doesn't work? What if, and I mean, very real fears too, like financial instability or failure, all these kind of things. But if we have the bravery and the tenacity to just give it a go, whether you start that as a side hustle or whether you really build up a nest egg to support yourself in giving it your all. I really think that just doing the thing is going to teach you the most. And I mean, it sounds funny and kind of cheesy to be like, just do it, you know, the Nike slogan and all of that, but it really is just the doing of the thing and, and just giving it a shot. And I mean, even in my personal situation, you know, there've definitely been times when I've thought, ah, maybe it's just easier to go back and work for the man and do all that sort of thing because sometimes it's hard to be self-directed and um, to really be pushing yourself all the time because you do have to push yourself because nobody else is going to. But really when, when it comes down to it, there is no greater thing than being able to, to create your own work, to, to put your 
own messages out into the world and and to really be serving yourself and the world in a way that feels very honest and true to you. You are listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. I'm talking with Nina Karnikovsky. Her new book is Make a Living Living. Be successful doing what you love. And you can find out more about Nina and her work at travelswithnina.com. You can also find her on Instagram at travelswithnina. So this book not only has gorgeous photographs, beautiful interviews. It's also got practical exercises. And here's the place where the kind of self-help junkie in me just tingles with delight because, oh, there's exercises. What are your favorite exercises that you included in the book? And, and how have you used these in shaping your own path? Oh, well, I mean, I, I'm like you. I do love a good exercise. I love a good <laughs> First, first thing in the morning, morning pages, journaling, figuring out how my day is going to be, really pumping myself up. And I think we all really could benefit from a lot of that because um, otherwise we just get swept up in life and we're not reflecting and we're not building and we're not, we're not, we're not giving ourselves that support that we all really need. Um, when it comes to my favorite exercise, I mean, the, the first one in the book is about mind mapping. And I really love that because look, I think when it comes to excuses for not doing what you love, it comes down in my mind to three things. We say we don't have enough time, energy, or money. It's one of those three things, or perhaps all three of them. And I definitely use that excuse for myself for a long time. So I sat down and I thought, okay, how about if you sit down and you mind map out your time, money, and energy drains, really write out all those things. So for me, energy was, you know, lack of sleep, overworking, travel time, cluttered space, negative people, anything like that, money. It was, okay, rent and bills, entertainment, uh, health, car, all those sorts of things. So you write all of those down and then you, which bits of this could I cut out and pair back on so that I am allowed more time, money, and energy to do the thing that I love. Because I think a lot of time there, there is, there is a lot of uh, perhaps superfluous stuff going on there that we can pair back on. For me, I mean, I have given up perhaps quite a fair bit in terms of the socializing and partying or anything like that in terms of, of creating what I want or with money, you know, I mean, when I first went out on my own, I, I stopped going to the hairdresser. I stopped going to fancy dinners. I didn't buy a car for a very long time because I thought, no, if I want to build this life that I love, I have to say no to some things in order to say yes to the, to the biggest thing in my life. Mm-hmm. So um, I think in, it's interesting because there's a lot, one of the biggest themes that I found with these people was about minimizing and pairing back. And so I thought that that exercise was a good one to, to start out on, to show people the way that they could do that themselves. It makes more room for your happiness. It makes more room to breathe. It identifies and then you can decide, am I going to, if, if I'm surrounded by negative people and I'm up all night, what are the changes I can make to, to shift that? It kind of brings the power back to me to change my life. 
That's right, because you're the only one who can do it. I think um, I think sometimes we we do think that maybe somebody's going to come and save us or help pull us out of our situation. But at the end, at the end of it all, it's, it's up to us. So we can pull that power back and we really can, we can, we can really self-direct. Um, another, another exercise that I really loved was this idea of an elevator pitch, because I think those of us who have, a big idea that we want to get out into the world, it's all a bit scattered. And I think in order to make that happen, um, we need to really know the thing that we are wanting to put out into the world. So it's just a very easy way to come up with this 30 second spiel telling the world who you are, what you do and why it's unique and why anyone would buy or support your work. And that's whether you already have that business planned or whether it's just an idea in your head. It's about clarity, about really digging down into into what it is that you want to create so that you can go ahead and do it. Now, a lot of your writing focuses on sustainability. And as I was looking through the book, which to me is, is, um, is beautiful. It's so it's a, I have an electronic version of it here, but it's a, um, a, like a tactile experience. That's not the right word. It's textural. I'm seeing the words, I'm seeing the photographs, I'm putting the lovely ideas together. I'm thinking of the exercises, um, that I'm going to do. So your work focuses on sustainability. And as I was looking through the book, I was thinking, this is also about how we can make our lives sustainable how we can make our time here um, full of joy, full of love, full of creative expression. And I wondered if that was a conclusion that sort of that you had drawn to, if you see that connection. Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think uh, the, the reason for that might be that a lot of these people have really thought lifestyle first they really seemed to instead of instead of thinking of the business first they thought of how they wanted their life to look so that it could be sustainable there's a couple in there an australian couple who have um, a business called church farm general store it is they make beautiful natural soaps and sauces they live in this old renovated church actually near where i live in australia and they said you know we saw the church before we had any idea of what the business would be or what we were going to do with our lives. They made, they just put every cent they had into buying this church, which was on a floodplain, which made no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was incredibly cheap because of that, but they, they just saw it and they said, we can see our life there. We can see a life full of abundance of time with our families of, of just creative living. So they did that first and then they worked odd jobs. They did all these things on the side in order to figure out what it would be there. But all they knew was they wanted time. They wanted to hang out with their children. They wanted all of those things. And they said to me, you know what? Now that our business is doing well, we could make it do even better, but we choose not to because what we love even more than our business is our family, is our time, is all of that. And I just thought that was such a beautiful way of looking at it. And that is true sustainability. 
I love that. And that's part of being successful, doing what you love. Do you love not just what you're doing, but how you're doing it, how you feel, how you live your life? Oh, my goodness. So with just we've just got about a minute left together. Nina, is there something that you want to let the listeners know that might help push them over the edge a little bit in terms of considering what they can do to change their lives? Oh, look, I just think it's it's about going out there and giving it a go because honestly, I just think there is no greater uh, sadness than not giving yourself this opportunity. There's a, It's a huge gift to yourself in order to just go out and give it a try. And we have this one life and why not make it as beautiful and abundant as possible by doing what you love? Oh, I love it. Nina, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. It's been a pleasure. That is Nina Karnakovsky. Her new book is Make a Living Living. Be successful doing what you love. You can find out more about Nina and her work at travelswithnina.com. That book is going to be available everywhere beginning March 21st on bookshelves worldwide. And it's online right now on Amazon. So look for Make a Living Living. It's gorgeous. Um, You can find Nina at travelswithnina.com and on Instagram at travelswithnina. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. That's a great place to find out what's coming up next on this radio program. You can find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me if you're so inclined. If you do that, though, if you do book a private session with me, please use the coupon code podcast when you book in with me at karenhager.com. That will give you 20% off the session fee, and it lets me know that you're listening to this program. Um, that makes me feel good, and it makes me feel like we've we've got a point of connection between us here. So use that coupon code podcast at karenhager.com. And if you believe, as I do, that when we focus on change, we really can make a difference in the world. I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. You'll find a whole bunch of guided meditations that are there, free to use, free to listen to at any time. And you'll also get details about our free 15-minute monthly guided meditation call. We invite listeners from all over the world to come in and join us for 15 minutes that focuses on peace in our hearts and peace in the world. That idea that we're separate from each other, that idea that we have to fight each other is one of the greatest causes of pain and contrast and lack and sorrow and fear. And so with Open Peaceful Heart, my partner and I are trying to bring people together to find the places where we can come together and seek peace in our hearts and peace in the world. So check that out at openpeacefulheart.com. You're very welcome to join us. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.